Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, this will be a special edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program. That just comes down to the love of the work. Mm-hmm. I think Paige really saw value in educating the public on these topics. We remember WABE's longtime legal analyst and Atlanta-based attorney, Paige Pate. All that's just ahead. But first, we do have some local and state news. As we highlighted yesterday when the news broke, Governor Brian Kemp says the state will give Grady Health System $130 million to help the hospital prepare for an influx of patients once the Atlanta Medical Center closes this fall. And Sam Greenglass has more details. The one-time funding comes from federal dollars allocated to Georgia through the American Rescue Plan Democrats passed last year. Kemp says the money will help Grady permanently add 180 beds by the end of next year. Grady is separately working to add 40 new beds by the time AMC closes, and the state is dispatching a temporary medical unit to boost capacity. These are not Band-Aid solutions. They are meaningful carefully thought out and implemented measures designed to ensure this cornerstone of Atlanta's healthcare network is on solid footing for many years. Grady is jointly owned by DeKalb and Fulton counties. Officials have recently expressed fears about the health system's finances. Speaking after Kemp, Fulton County Chair Rob Pitts lauded the collaboration, but disagreed this infusion was a permanent solution. Earlier this year, Wellstar, which owns AMC, also closed its hospital in East Point. Now this, though, is a short-term solution to a problem. Long term, the manager and I are working for a long term solution to the loss of this facility, which in all probability is going to mean a new facility somewhere. Grady will be the only level one trauma center in Metro Atlanta once AMC closes. Sam Greenglass, WABE News. And Kemp's gubernatorial opponent, Democrat Stacey Abrams, says the state's infusion of that $130 million is a stopgap measure, but she says it won't solve long term problems. This is a cumulative issue. Adding 180 beds or 200 beds at Grady cannot solve a systemic collapse of public health. Now, Abrams says Georgia should fully expand Medicaid instead to access billions in federal dollars and reduce the number of uninsured patients at the state's hospitals. Wellstar, which runs Atlanta Medical Center, has said fully expanding Medicaid wouldn't have avoided the closure. Abrams has said she doesn't think that the health system is being, quote, wholly honest about what Medicaid expansion could have done. And also, some Georgia faith leaders are also criticizing Governor Brian Kemp's aid package for Grady Health System. Bishop Reginald Jackson is with the 6th Episcopal District of the AME Church here in Atlanta. He's pushing for Kemp to expand Medicaid to help stabilize the state's overall health care system. We do intend to pressure the governor to act. This problem is about more than Grady being the only level one center in Atlanta. This problem is about what's happening all over the state. And many of those who are poor and uninsured look like us. Now, Kemp has pushed for partial Medicaid expansion, saying full expansion isn't necessary. Staying with health news, health officials, including those at the Atlanta-based CDC, say they are cautiously optimistic that monkeypox case rates are beginning to slow down. But disparities persist when it comes to vaccine distribution. Numbers show black men are hit hardest by the monkeypox outbreak. They also lag behind other groups in vaccinations. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky says local organizations across the country are working to reach more people at the highest risk. 
and we're taking those lessons learned and doing that hard work of community outreach. We've seen successes through doing so. We've seen them in these large equity events and these large gay pride events. Now we will continue to do the hard work and reach the smaller events as well. The latest Georgia Department of Public Health data show the state with more than 1,600 monkeypox cases. Nearly all are among men who have sex with men. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says the best course of action for West Atlanta homes that have dangerously high levels of lead in their yards is to dig up the soil and haul it away, as we hear from Molly Samuel. Lead was first found in the dirt around homes in English Avenue in Vine City by an Emory student a few years ago. That's triggered a cleanup that's still continuing. Elena Famble with the EPA says the agency believes the lead is from when industrial slag was used to fill in a previously hilly part of the city to build homes on top a century or so ago. But in that time, the topsoil that was placed over it has started to wear thin. And it's become exposed in some areas. According to the EPA, more than 400 properties of those it's tested so far have high enough levels of lead that they need to be cleaned up. And it's already started that work. Lead is especially dangerous to children. It can affect their development. Molly Samuel, WABE News. And finally, more college football. Of course, this weekend, the top-ranked University of Georgia football team, the Bulldogs, are huge favorites against South Carolina, although in Columbia tomorrow afternoon. The Bulldogs are, of course, ranked number one in the Associated Press poll. But head coach Kirby Smart says his young team can't look past the Gamecocks. Going to an extremely tough environment to play in with a lot of guys that haven't played in any kind of environment like that. Yeah, you can just ask Nebraska and Notre Dame. While the dogs are in South Carolina, Georgia Tech plays 20th-ranked Mississippi in Atlanta. Morehouse College is on the road playing in the HBCU-NYC football classic up in Jersey at MetLife Stadium. And their opponent, HU, you know, Howard University. That's at 3 p.m. Georgia State welcomes Charlotte. Kickoff at 7 p.m. Clark Atlanta heads to Jackson, Tennessee to play Lane College. And Georgia Southern, coming off last weekend's upset victory over Nebraska, which actually led to a head coach losing his job, well, they'll play UAB in Birmingham. You're listening to Closer Look. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. A landscape unlike any other, Georgia's coast is home to vital communities and people from all walks of life fighting to protect it. Help keep Georgia's coast flowing at ourgeorgiacoast.org. From WABE in Atlanta, this is a special edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. I know perhaps it's probably a cliche, but, you know, you can feel it. You know when the right decision has been made. And more than a decade ago, WABE turned to a local defense attorney to provide definition, clarity, and analysis for our stories and features that we in the newsroom, well, first, we desperately needed, and second, to thoroughly explain process and procedures within the the within the judicial landscape. And for example, I remember Paige Pate explaining the very controversial issue of no-knock warrants. Well, the Supreme Court has found that no-knock warrants are constitutional. They're consistent with the Fourth Amendment as long as certain exigent circumstances are present. Now, if we're talking about a warrant that's signed by a judge with a no-knock provision, that's a little bit different from officers on the scene deciding they don't have to knock and announce, and we can talk about that as well. But the warrant itself, they have to be able to present to a magistrate sufficient evidence that, again, one of the two exceptions that we talked about would be present. Either there's going to be a reasonable risk of harm, uh, safety to the officers is is paramount in the the execution of these warrants. Now, they talk a little bit about safety to the residents, Mm -hmm. but I think in our experience we've seen, and certainly in Ms. Johnston's case, exercising a no-knock warrant is not safe for the resident, possibly not very safe for the officer. Detailed in definition and analysis. As we begin remembering Paige Pate, I'm joined now by WABE host emeritus and veteran journalist and mentor Dennis O'Hara, who had many segments with Paige Pate. And we also welcome Atlanta-based attorney Gerald Griggs. Thank you both for taking the time. I really appreciate it. 
Hey, Rose, good to be with you despite the circumstances, and uh, it's great to have a chance to pay tribute to Paige. Dennis, I'm going to start with you because we, all of us, have had so many conversations with Paige Pate, and you being a veteran, longtime journalist, you know sometimes <laughs> when you get the sources on, when you get the experts on, you kind of know right away whether or not it's somebody you want to keep or somebody you're going to go back mm-hmm. to. Uh Clearly, we know that for you and for so many of us, Paige Pate was definitely a keeper. Well, he was in in so many ways. And you just heard in that clip you played some of the reasons why. I mean, Paige was able to take a really thorny issue and explain it clearly without dumbing it down. And he was able to do it in a way where even though he is a defense attorney, was a defense attorney, a passionate one, he is able to call balls and strikes when we were on. And so he could explain the legal process. He could explain the arguments, if there were some, from either side. He was able to look at things from a prosecutor's point of view, even though he was a defense attorney. But the thing that made it all come together, I think, Rosen, and you're kind of implying it, um, was Paige's spirit. I mean, the man was a generous heart. He had a wonderful sense of humor, and I'm not talking about joke a minute. I don't think I can recall Mm -hmm. one single hilarious knee-slapping moment. Uh, But Paige could look at the humor in things. He could look at the humanity in things even as he was giving you a clear, in-depth analysis of a piece of law that affects everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's that was a great gift. And it was clear that once we had him on our air, other outlets, including my old colleagues at 11 Alive, Mm -hmm. recognized it immediately and brought him on. CNN did, too. Absolutely. And I would tease him a few times by saying, I, I saw you on that network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, Rose. Um, I want to bring in Atlanta-based attorney Gerald Griggs. Gerald, you are someone who you're often called upon to give your legal analysis to news outlets as well. You've been on our, our program as well. But Gerald, as you know, when the news of Paige's death has it begin to circulate and the calls, the messages the statements from fellow attorneys, folks in the business, in your landscape, all to a point had nothing but professional accolades for Paige Pate. Yes, he was a he was a legal giant in Atlanta and throughout the state of Georgia for his uh, his zealous advocacy in a courtroom. But um, as your other guests just so eloquently put, he was also able to explain to the public. Um, how the law works, uh, both sides of an argument, and then ultimately uh, what he saw as the developments of law as they continue to uh, matriculate through the courtroom and and through the halls of legislature. So Pate will be sorely missed, um, and Paige Pate will be sorely missed. And and I think that he's, he's now a symbol to what attorneys should aspire to do. You know, sometimes we get caught up in in one side of an issue, but I think he was able to navigate both sides and explain it in such a way that the public stayed engaged and and continued to build trust in the legal profession. And Gerald, go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, just let me pick up on that because Gerald makes a really important point, trust in the legal profession. Um, Page, I think, it was my impression over the years, really loved being a lawyer, not just for whatever it was about the daily battle that he enjoyed, but he really believed, and you could tell it from his work with the Innocence Project, he really believed that people in the law are there to do good for the greater society and for their clients. And that being a lawyer, if you did it right, is a noble thing. And uh, what Gerald is saying is so important because Page's work really, I think, 
helped our audience, and that's what it's all about, the audience, mm -hmm. um, find trust not only in the explanation of whatever issue they were sorting out, but trust in the legal system, which has taken a real battering, as we know. And Gerald, when you all are called to come on outlets like ours or, or what other news outlets, national, international, local, what have you, sometimes for some folks, it can be about the analysts because they're very animated and they're yelling and screaming and all that. We, we didn't have that with Paige, which we appreciated because then the analyst becomes the story and that's not what the analyst is there for. The analyst is there to, as we've been saying, provide definition clarity and analysis and it's and also some scrutiny if deserved if they if they feel that through their lens and Paige was able to do that without making it about himself not everyone can do that yeah he was a master in his craft both in the courtroom and in his analysis which is why he was seen so much in, in mainstream media but I think why he was so special in doing that is he was a teacher he was able to teach the law to analyze the law and to make it uh, come to life uh, in such a way that everybody understood. And so, as Dennis said, he, he didn't dumb down a subject. Mm -hmm. He would give you the breadth and the girth of the knowledge, but in a way that's digestible to all. Gerald, for folks in your profession, for those in the legal profession and those who work within the judicial system as well, how important is it for news outlets? Because I want you now to, in terms critique us how important is it for news outlets like us to make sure that when we bring in quote legal experts and legal analysis that we bring in someone that probably has the attributes of a page paid it's absolutely important because you know all lawyers are not created equal there are some in our profession that are just lions of the courtroom and page was one of those who you know took on the difficult cases argued cases all the way up to the supreme court and used his legal acumen for good. Uh, and so it's important that the public understand that you need somebody that's a tactician of the law to explain the law in a way that the public can grasp it. Because one of our, our, our ethical duties is, is a candor to the public to have the public understand. So it's important to have an expert like Paige uh, who can do that. And he was so masterful, so skillful at that that I hope other lawyers in the profession and law students that are, are learning the profession will use him as an example of how you should be uh, an, an analyst, but also a litigator and a trial technician. Dennis, what do you want to add to that? Um, well, Gerald just said what was so important. And I think the, the underlying that is that we are a nation of laws but the laws are about people. And Page understood that at a fundamental level. I mean, he didn't even really need to remind himself. It was just who he was. He was a humanitarian in that sense. He understood that whether it was a client or as Gerald said, whether it was some students he might've been talking to or whether it was the people who listened to him or watched him, he was going to give of himself to them using the skills he had. And it's that generosity of spirit that just came across uh, whatever the medium was. And um, we felt it any time we were dealing with him in person. It mm -hmm. was just it was fun to be with him. Yeah. But we were also, we hope, performing a service, and he was a key to that. As we wrap up, Gerald, what will you miss most about hearing Paige Pate? And you knew him, too, as well. Yeah, I will miss, you know, sharing jovial conversation in a jury box right before we have to pick a jury. I will miss his analysis. Sometimes I agree with, sometimes I differ. But I'll just miss uh, him. Uh, there are not too many lawyers in Georgia that are able to navigate all fields. And he was one of those that you know, whether it was arguing a, a high stakes death penalty case or going on CNN and then you get to see him and he's a regular down to earth person uh, that loved his family, loved his community. So I, I'm going to miss him. Hopefully um, we'll be able to lift him up as an example to lawyers that come behind us, that this was 
what the definition of a, a civil servant was because you know charles hamilton houston said a lawyer is either two things a a social engineer or a parasite hmm. page pate was a social engineer and i will miss him he was my friend and, and and hopefully we'll see each other again in that great courtroom in the sky dennis oh man yeah uh <laughs> what gerald was saying this i started laughing because um you know page as as we saw him especially when he was on television was always not flashy but mm -hmm. very immaculately turned out and there was one saturday morning when i ran into him in the hardware store <clears throat> and at the time he sometimes he had a beard and sometimes he didn't mm -hmm. but we had both not shaved in a while and we were looking our saturday morning slovenly <laughs> best and we just had a good laugh about that and this you know as gerald said it's so down to earth so uh ready to be open to people and um it's that spirit that is so needed these days in not just in the legal profession but in ours and in uh in everywhere you go um i think perhaps the best lessons that he might have taught all of us was not just about the law, but about how to be. Mm. WABE's host, Emeritus and veteran journalist Dennis O'Hara, Atlanta-based attorney Gerald Griggs. Thank you both for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you, Rose. Hey Rose, I just wanted to send a word about Paige from the Buried Truths team. Um, and also on behalf of, of Hank Klibanoff, uh, he and I and, the, and our writer Richard Hallex were talking about it earlier this week. And um, he was a huge asset to us. Uh, Buried Truths, uh, the last season, we looked at the story of Ahmaud Arbery. And it really came down to citizens' arrest. Paige took the concept of citizen's arrest and um, kind of stood it up for us. And we could look at it and see clearly something was not quite right. Of course, now the law has since been abolished. But the point of it is, Page was masterful at what he did. He allowed us, and by extension, the listener, to just see things more clearly. So... I would like to thank Paige, um, Hank Klibanoff, and Richard Hallex, our writer, would like to thank Paige Pate. Um, you know, Paige is a, a voice in the legal profession that's, that's needed, and he is going to be greatly missed, yes, by family especially, but here at WABE, um, his loss is it's really felt. big story in Atlanta, the Atlanta area or Georgia, or in some cases, the nation, and it had a legal aspect to it, we called Paige. I mean, that's how the relationship grew. And we just knew that if we needed to explain the legal aspect of a story to our audience, he was the call. Yeah. He was the call that we made because I was thinking about this. I never really thought about why I thought he was good. Mm -hmm. You just kind of know it when you hear it. And then, it, you know, you know how it is in our business. If somebody's good, we're going to use them again. Right. And the three things that really stood out to me in reflection this week in terms of just his ability as a legal expert on the air it was he was available mm -hmm. so he always 
helped us out on deadline. He was knowledgeable. He knew what he was talking about. He did an interview and helped us with a story. And he was relatable. You can be knowledgeable about a topic, but you may not be able to communicate it in a way that's going to be easy for people to understand. And a lot of these stories that we covered were very complex and Mm -hmm. complicated and tough. And he was always able to break it down so Mm -hmm. that the audience understood. And joining me now from the early days of our WABE newsroom, former reporter, assistant news director, a familiar voice for many of you, Charles Edwards. Charles, welcome to the program. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. Although we we talk a lot usually about uh, sports and yellow yellow Florida Gators. (laughs) Now, see, why they got to be little? And speaking of which, because you and Paige, Paige Pate, Georgia Bulldogs, Charles Edwards, Florida Gators. It was perfect for me just to be in the middle as an instigator, (laughs) which is what I do well when it comes to sports. You all had many conversations just about the SEC and your beloved teams. We we did. And it was funny because, you know, when you first meet somebody, it's obviously very professional. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, hi, my name is this. I work for this station. I'm working on the story. Can you do an interview? Sure. And so... We'll do a five to 10 minute interview. And that's just kind of how it it started out. And I was working on a story that had to do with habeas corpus. Mm-hmm. And listen, one thing that I am not, I'm very good in knowing who I'm not, I'm not a legal mind. And so the first thing that I needed to do was Google Atlanta lawyer habeas corpus. (laughs) And on page one of Google, Paige's name came up. And so I called him and introduced myself and told him the story I was working on. He said, hey, sure. So we did an interview for the radio and it was a taped interview because I was going to use sound bites from the interview in the story that I was working on for that afternoon. And once I was finished with the interview, I was like, man, this is really good. I feel like I understand the story and I feel like he gave me great stuff that the listeners will now understand, you know, what this story is all about. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how the relationship started. And anytime I would want to use an expert and I felt like they were really good, my immediate thought was, I need to tell the rest of the newsroom, Mm -hmm. hey, I just talk to somebody and they were really good on this story. So if you have to get a legal expert, you should, you, you might want to think about this person. That's a, that's, that's how simple it was. I know people have gotten so used to hearing him, WABE legal analyst Paige Pate, but that's really just how it started. Mm-hmm. It started with one story, one interview, and he was really good and just kind of lightly suggesting to the newsroom, you all may want to use him because he was pretty good on this story. Yeah. So another legal story would come up. And that's what and, we did. And that's what we did. And I remember and, in those days, into 2007, going into 2008, when I became a full-time reporter here, and you and I both covered so many of the same stories we were overlapping, as our newsroom was so tiny <laughs> back then. And, right. I, and I, I think... People were still getting used to the idea, oh, WABE has a has a full-fledged news staff. But here's something I want to really talk about that you hit on. When you have someone on who we know and feel is a credible, reliable, and very neutral guest for some things, but when we have a, a guest on or an analyst who is credible— we know it. Listeners know it. You know, I can't tell you how many times I get an email. Hey, that Paige Pate guy needs his own show. But you talked about the education, not just for our listeners, but as journalists. Because I am nowhere near anybody's legal mind as well. And with Paige, and there were times I would email him or text him or call and say, hey, I got a question about why did the judge do this? And he'd say, let's talk about it. And we'd talk about it offline before we went on air because I wanted to make sure I was asking the right questions 
so that the listeners would understand and also making sure I was asking the questions so that the listener would understand what the question was so that they would understand Paige's answer. And he, he didn't need any coaching, obviously, from me. He just did it. And, and that is something that I think other networks recognize. Let's be really clear. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and it's I okay. It's okay. I, I I love it that. And I would tease him. I would say, "Yeah, I saw you on such and such network." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, you know, Rose, I'm here for the public." <laughs> but you know, I looked at that as such a sense of pride that other stations, local, national, were listening to what we were doing, and would want to use an expert that we would use. Mm -hmm. And, and Rose, when you, when you mentioned what you just talked about, to me, that just comes down to the love of the work. Mm -hmm. I think Paige really saw value in educating the public on these topics on top of the fact that he's running his own practice. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that I think is important to add to this conversation. As we remember Paige, to be that available for the newsroom on countless stories. I don't even want to attempt to put a number on the number of stories that he helped WABE with since that very first story that I talked about, Mm -hmm. but it's countless and he's running his own business. He's taking care of clients, but he's always finding time to help us educate the public. And that's one thing that I really want people to think about when they remember him is that as you listened to WABE over the years, if you heard a legal story on our air and you you understood it after listening to the story or the interview, it was because Paige broke, broke it down in a way that was very easy to understand. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about being an informed listener, an informed member of the community, we were able to do that in large part because of him. Um, And so I'm just really appreciative um, of him. and, and, And I would really want his family to know on behalf of everybody, past, present, and future at WABE, we know that it's a sacrifice when someone is as good as Paige because they're very busy. And so I'm very appreciative to his family because I know it was a sacrifice. And the fact that he gave up so much of his time to help us help listeners, I just want his family to know how much we appreciate everything that he did for the station and everything he did for listeners. Well said from our early days in the WAB newsroom, former reporter, assistant news director, Charles Edwards. Charles, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Rose. Listening to a special edition of Closer Look from WABE here in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott, as we remember longtime WABE legal analyst and attorney Paige Pate. Now, often you all, listeners through email or via social media, will send comments and questions while we're live. And yes, when Paige was on, listeners communicated that Paige didn't shy away from questioning the actions of others in the system. As in our last conversation on this program last month regarding the special prosecutors investigating the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks. But even through all of that, you're saying that there are some issues, there's some optics involved here that you as, as a defense attorney, as a legal expert here, you have some issues with. Well, absolutely, Rosen. Yes. Look, I I applaud the transparency here. I think it's great that the people will get to see what sort of analysis was applied to the case. What did the experts determine? But look, in 99.9% of cases where there's a violent crime, if the police find probable cause, that person's being charged and it's going to a jury. Mm -hmm. So all of this analysis, all of this time, all of this expense was applied before. Uh, the decision to make a 
formal charge and to send the case to a jury. So do we treat police officers differently? Well, clearly we do in the civil context, but you would hope not in the criminal context, but I think this proves differently. And Paige, finally, before we let you go, Danny Porter talking about and Pete Scandalax is talking about, we looked at all uses of force. What we wanted to focus on was there a use of deadly force, citing that a taser is a deadly weapon. Yes, and Rose, they're right about that. Under Georgia law, a taser can be a deadly weapon. So can a rock. Uh, So can a stick. It depends on how they're being used at the time. And that's what's critical here. Was Mr. Brooks in a position to use his taser in a way that would have killed one of the officers? And I think from what we actually saw in the video, that was not possible. These officers at that moment in time were not in danger of being killed by Mr. Brooks. So I disagree with um, Mr. Scandalakis, Mr. Porter. I respect them. They've been around a long time. Obviously, they're looking at this from a different perspective. This case should have gone to a jury. Now, one of the biggest and longest running news stories we covered here was the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal. This was an always all hands on deck type of story and probably our station's first big one. I'm joined now by longtime colleague and now host of All Things Considered here locally, Jim Burris. Jim, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for inviting me, Rose. You know, as I said, this was all hands on deck. Um, Keeping keeping this in mind that WAB's broadcast license is held by the Atlanta Board of Education. And Jim, I remember when the indictments were handed up and our newsroom went into breaking news mode. Of course, you and I were here that 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 evening. It was it was it was amazing. You know what we could do and still a little bit bigger than those early years. But again, and we'll take a listen to this because, of course, who was the very first person that we called? Everybody instantly. Let's call Paige. Page, we are hearing that most of these charges will center around racketeering. As that relates to a school district, what goes through your mind in terms of what possible evidence Paul Howard's office must have? It's important to remember that in a racketeering indictment, the state has to show that the person, or in this case, several people, committed a specific violation of Georgia law. I think what they're doing in this case is they're basing the racketeering charge on a number of false statement allegations. That could be false statements made in connection with the investigation or false statements that were made in some other, whether it's a writing or or oral statement made by the administrators who are named in this indictment. If they can show that these false statements form a pattern, then they can bring a RICO charge and add all these false statements to it. And I think that's what they've done in this case. You know, we have been following this case closely. You and I have talked on a number of occasions. When you think about how long this investigation took, and and there were many that were critical of Paul Howard because it took so long. And are you surprised that we're looking at maybe dozens of APS educators who are now being indicted? Well, I suppose I am surprised that it took this long. I mean, it does appear to be a complex indictment. There are a large number of people who are charged But there's no reason that should take several years. Uh, The problem you run into, not only do you have stale evidence now, but, uh, you know, you have a potential statute of limitations defense. A RICO statute is five years. Uh, It does appear that this is going to pass that test, but it's generally better to bring criminal charges while the evidence is fresh and your investigation uh, should should only take at least a year or so, perhaps even in a complex case. But the longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes, especially when these folks are trying to move forward with their lives. Page indictments have been handed up now moving forward, and this could be speculation. What happens now? Are we looking at arrest warrants being issued? Generally, yes. Once the indictment has been made public, arrest warrants will be issued by the Superior Court judge. I would expect, though, that most of these individuals have lawyers. They've had some communication with the district attorney's office. And in those situations, the district attorney will often allow them to simply voluntarily surrender uh, either to the courthouse or to the jail. And perhaps there will even be some agreed-upon bonds in place so that they can be released fairly quickly. If not, they could be spending some time in jail before they get a bond hearing. And we're talking about a lot of individuals here. So moving forward, Paige, this, we could be looking at a lot of trials that could go on for a while. Well, and, and that's what's going to be interesting. With a case this size, uh, it, it's going to be difficult to try all of these people at once. Obviously, the district attorney is hoping that a number of these people will 
agree to enter guilty pleas and perhaps cooperate with the state. I don't anticipate we're going to see a trial with 35 people sitting at the table. So you'll either have some people come forward and, and enter guilty pleas, or maybe you will have separate trials. Page Page. It's going to be difficult. Page Page, WABE legal analyst and criminal defense attorney. Thank you so much, Page, for taking the time. Absolutely. Glad to help. Jim, how many times have we said, Page Page, thank you so much for taking the time. You, of course, you've covered big stories, features that dragged on with the Years, legal system. For you, sure. you used him as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I had this question. So I went back to our um, news archive, our script archive um, that goes back just to 2015. So not even the entirety of his time here uh, with us. And there were 7,200 hits. Now, some of those scripts would overlap mm-hmm. and, and would repeat, but that gives you some scope of how important he really was to our coverage. He was a commentator a lot for our stories, but what I really valued was if there was a legal question that was complex or I didn't understand, I knew I could call him and he would just shoot straight. He would say, this is where you want to watch. This is not worth your time. Or this isn't even a story. I wouldn't, you know, pay pay attention to something else. And of course, stories that might have included in our case, Atlanta Public Schools, which holds our the Atlanta Board of Education, holds our broadcast license, police departments, city governments, state governments. He was there to break it all down. And for 14 years, this is what's amazing to me. We never want to make a mistake. We never had to issue a retraction, a correction, a clarification. Page was on top of it. More than you could really ask of anybody. He was solid and you could take to the bank what he would say. And he would comment on issues locally, Mm -hmm. nationally. He knew law so well and was so able to break it down. It was just amazing to be in his presence, somebody who was that passionate about what he did and also so knowledgeable. I remember another defense attorney calling me wanting to know how did how did Paige get to be a legal analyst <laughs> and and I'd like to come and offer some and and you know you, you want to be nice you're like well you know he is our our he was our official legal analyst other folks y'all borrowed him but that's okay too um but I think going back to what Gerald Griggs said earlier too they he felt that it was his duty to educate not only just dissect and, and analyze the law, the statute, what have you, but also to educate the audience on maybe the history of a law or, or maybe a issue, a problem with the law and why it should be changed. And also, as we heard in the Rayshard Brooks, feeling confident in his own legal analysis to challenge someone within the profession. We have to be careful not to uh, be biased and, and to be fair, of course, and we want to uphold that. Page was able to do all of that, but come down on a side and say, yes, this is just or this is not just. And uh, he never minced words. You knew that if he was saying it, he believed it and that he stood behind it. And I don't know Maybe it happened, but I don't know that we even ever got a listener comment or um, complaint about a, a, a position he took. Uh, I have a listener that that wanted that kept saying, I would tell Paige this. He needs his own show. That Paige Pate guy needs his own show. And Paige and I would joke about doing a, 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 a law show, a legal show, or uh, doing some type of sports combined <laughs> legal show. Because there was, there was a lot of Y'all uh, love in, sports, interaction there. Sure. Yeah, and I would tease him about his beloved uh, Georgia Bulldogs. And I would also tease him about his hair. Yeah. I told him, I said, man, you got that Johnny Mathis hair. I love it. I love it. But um, I want to read something from a listener that says, my heart was heavy in hearing about Paige, Paige's death last Sunday. Paige's insights and illuminations were always welcome and helpful. I thank him for weighing in on so many issues over the years, especially during the pandemic. I appreciated all of his thoughts during the McMichaels Bryant trial and sentencing. Sending my condolences to all of you who knew him well and called him friend. May his wife and sons be comforted and lifted up in love. Hmm. Another person wrote, I'm so sorry about Attorney Pate. He was a good person. I met him years ago. He was a good person. Absolutely. Jim, what will you you miss about Paige? I'll put it in this perspective. So when we got the uh, news Tuesday, I had just edited a piece of a, a reporter. Paige was in it. He was explaining RICO. 
course, we had to pull the piece um, because we needed to confirm what had happened and report it. So the piece didn't air originally. It did air yesterday, and it had been been redone without Page. Um, it had other legal expertise in it. And listening to it, it was a stark moment that um, that voice is gone. Everything that he had contributed to the newsroom is now talked about in an historical perspective. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a loss on a personal level, on a coverage level, and I don't think that there is a replacing Paige Pate. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident to say that he was a unique individual that um, the likes you just don't come across. So we've heard, Jim, from listeners, elected officials, other guests who've been on the show offering their reflections on Paige. Um, I want to take a moment as we, before we go to our last break, from our WAB newsroom offering this. This is Martha Dalton. I'm a reporter at WABE, and I will never forget the time that Paige very patiently was willing to redo an interview with me about a really complicated legal case because the first time that we did the interview, our recording system didn't work. So the file ended up being empty, but he very patiently redid the entire thing. And that's just how he was. And it's important to note that he was not paid by us to be a legal analyst. He just did it. And we will miss him and we will certainly not forget him. I'm Sam Greenglass. The first time I talked to Paige, I'd been at WABE for just a few months, you know, still trying to build a Rolodex of sources. And he made me feel so at ease, patiently making this complex legal topic easy to grasp. He was quick to answer emails and calls about everything from constitutional questions about abortion and insurrection to criminal law. He helped us all understand the moment that we're living in. This is Susanna Capaluto, and I will miss Paige Pate so much. He was kind and wonderful and a true friend to public radio. He gave us hours of answers to even the most elemental legal questions. He had patience and an exceptional ability to explain things clearly, and not just to us journalists, but to our listeners. Paige was there for all of Georgia's major legal stories over the past decade, all the while teaching us how the system works. He was truly one of a kind, with an exceptional legal mind, who gave back to his community. Rest in peace, Paige. Hi, this is Jim Burris. Paige Pate and I kind of started with WABE about the same time, about 14 years ago. And over the course of that time, I feel like I got a pretty solid pre-law education just from the conversations that we had. You know, Paige had a way of explaining even the most complex concepts in approachable and interesting ways. And I have never interviewed anyone who could save me, really, the way that he could. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes we may ask a question that's a little bit off or unintentionally we miss the mark on a legal concept. Paige could take it and subtly correct it and do it all without making it sound like we were wrong or misinformed. And he would still answer in a way that somehow related back to whatever crazy way we asked the question. He always made time for us. He was passionate in a way that was infectious. And I'm going to miss him so so much. Jim, your last words there. I'm going to miss him so, so much. Um, you know, my I lost my brother to a drug overdose at the end of uh, 2019. And I, I had a conversation with Paige about some, just off the record, some legal questions I had um, but our conversation morphed into more about who we are as humans and, and celebrating our loved ones flaws and all 
and 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 embracing folks with the time that they have here on earth. And I just remember listening to him more like a big brother as opposed to an analyst. And, um, you know, this our conversations about football or the legal system, but that conversation stays with me the most. And so I saw this online that someone wrote in his obit, Attorney Page Pate carried with him a cool confidence and sharp knowledge of the law that won over juries and informed countless radio listeners and television viewers. I think that sums it up. But I also want to take the time to say how many times in our, our private conversations offline, he talked about his family. Yeah. He talked about his boys. He loved them. And there was a conversation we had just about running for office. And I said, now... I'm going to take off the Rose Scott journalist hat and I'm going to put on a different hat. Uh, you, you got to talk to your wife, Paige. <laughs> he said, of course, absolutely. Um, to Paige's family, his wife, his sons, his brother, his parents, the law firm. We here at WABE really appreciate the sacrifices you all made for him to join us and so many other news outlets not just here locally, nationally, internationally. You all le- allowed us to have him as part of our our network. Our family over the years. Really. And some may say, well, should your analysts, did you all have that deep of a relationship and connection with the Yes. yes. We benefited um, so much. And um, to his family, I, I mean, I thought about how difficult this must be. I don't know. Um, I, what it must be like for them but our condolences our gratitude um and and just know that your loved one had such a profound effect on so many people all over um and and very few people could ever say that about um you know their loved one's lives but uh, page pate made his mark and we're so appreciative for that Memorial service will be tomorrow, Saturday, at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Brunswick. As mentioned, Pate is survived by his wife, Elizabeth, his sons, Chatham and Asher, his parents, Robert and Mary Elizabeth Pate, and his brother, Lane Pate. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. change from shifts in power to a mental health crisis so with all this social change how do we balance the human desire for empathy the business need for productivity and the hope to make an impact in our community this is a new podcast the social impact leader i'm jeff Barker. join me as we explore people doing work a little different available every wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts wabe Hey, y'all. I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from WABE. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians, and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at WABE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm -hmm. (laughs) W-A-B-E.